bones and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone and work a living, holy life for those who are not holy will see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root or bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted this father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits and the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we would certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that the only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to dive into this, Lord, and to see how unshakable you are. Lord, we praise you for your unshakable kingdom. Lord, we ask that you would go with us in this journey through your word, that you would guide our hearts and our minds so that we may hear from you this morning. Lord, bless Pastor Doug as he comes, and bless each and every one of us as we hear. Uh, Lord, help us to focus on you this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Something a little different this morning. Uh, We do have somebody who is going to be sharing their uh, talents with us this morning. Uh, somebody who uh, has done it before, but not too often, and we're excited to hear from her. Miss Jana, would you come and share with us this morning?
couldn't see your face. Darkness consumed me, stuck in the bitterness. But I know there's a light that's waiting up ahead. So I'll stay in the fight and look to the one who said, hold on just a little bit longer. I know it's going to be okay. These days are going to make you stronger. You'll find purpose in the pain. Hold on just a little bit longer. Deep down there's a well of faith. Let hope arise as you're lifting up my name. And just hold on. Just hold on. Hold on. Promise it still stands. It's chasing after me. The rainbow is throwing clouds. It's how I'm gonna see. And there is a light that's waiting up ahead. So I'll stay in the fight and look to the one who said, Hold on just a little bit longer. Do you know it's gonna be okay? These days are gonna make you stronger. You'll find purpose in the pain. Hold on just a little bit longer. Deep down there's a well of faith. Let hope arise as you're lifting up my name. And just hold on. on. Hold on. Hold on. Until you see what's at the end of the road. A new life is ready to unfold. Hold on just a little bit longer. I know it's going to be okay. These days are going to make you stronger. You'll find purpose in the pain. Hold on just a little bit longer. Deep down there's a well of faith. Let hope arise as you're lifting up my name. Just hold on. on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Thank you, Jen. There's one other thing I would like to draw our attention to before we get into the Word of God. We have one of our 
people from the congregation who is going on a missions trip. Uh, some of you know about it, some of you are not aware about it, but Don Harris is headed to Guatemala in the month of October from the dates of the 16th to the 21st. And the Lord's going to use her to minister to women and to young ladies in that country who are caught up in sex trafficking and despair because in Guatemala there are not many opportunities for women. And so I would like to not only just give you that information, but I would also like to stand and to pray with Ms. Harris. So Dawn, if you would come, please. I don't do this to embarrass you. Well, maybe not right away anyway, but, uh, but to pray with you and to pray for you in this journey that you're about to go on. Let's stand together, shall we, as a congregation. Hold your hand. Heavenly Father, there are so many, so many needs in this world. Not just financially, not just physically, but spiritually. We know what the Word of God can do because many of us, if not all of us here this morning, have felt the effects of what faith in Jesus Christ is all about. But there are so many in other countries who have no idea about that. That's why we have missions. That's why we have individuals like Dawn here who has sensed the call of you upon her life to go and to minister to ladies, to young women who don't see any hope for the next day, let alone for the next hour. And how I pray, O oh God, that you would bless her, use her, thank you for providing for her, protect her, Lord, as she's in a different country, ministering to people who speak different language, who live lives, who have a different philosophy. But I pray that the grace of Jesus Christ will flow through dawn into the hearts of the women, the young ladies, that she has the opportunity to minister to. Not just her, but a group of individuals that she'll be joining as they go to Guatemala. Keep the door open. Keep the way safe. Fill it with your power and your love and your grace and your mercy. And allow these women who are trapped to be set free. And I know that's Dawn's desire. That's her heart's pull. To see lives changed for the kingdom of God. So bless her, O Lord God. Prepare the way for her. And allow her, Lord, to sense your blessing and direction as she pursues that which you've called her to do in October. And we as a church, we stand with her. We'll pray for her. We'll encourage her, and we look forward to hearing from her of the great things that you have done. And so to God be the glory, and we pray these things in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.
Let's give the Lord a praise offering this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. You may be seated. If you'd like to know more about what the mission and the ministry that Dawn will be engaged in, the name of it is called Dream, Dare, and Do. Dare for more. It does matter. And I know that she'd be more than happy to share with you the things that God is leading her to do. Well, it's been a while since we've been in the book of Hebrews, hasn't it? You might remember, at least I hope you remember, that it wasn't too long ago that we uh, were in the book of Hebrews and we spoke from the beginning verses, 1 down to verse 11, of the discipline of God. And we looked at the, uh, if you will, the privilege of that. The purpose of it is with an order that we might be conformed to the image of Christ and that for our holiness and the product of discipline. But if you look at the closing sentence, the closing statement of verse 11, you realize that discipline was for the purpose of righteousness and peace. Well, the emphasis this morning goes beyond that. We're leaving the realm of discipline to now the realm of discipleship. We want to at least try to uncover, at least that's my plan with you, to uncover six essential characteristics of Christian maturity. There are six of them. Now, with the time that is allotted to us this morning, we're not going to get all six. Can someone give me an amen? We're only going to get to the first three. And that's okay, Lord willing, if he doesn't desire to call us home before next week, then we will investigate the last three. But this morning, we're going to just investigate the first three of them. Now, if you've come here this morning and you don't have a Bible, I really encourage you to reach in front of you and take the word of God that is there for you. Because... In all of my learning that I've had, and sometimes it's nothing more than foolishness, I understand that. But you get more out of participation than just sitting there and listening. No matter how good the speaker is, you're going to forget things. And the main thing I want you to realize is this is not from my word, it's from God's word. In fact, that is our purpose here at Grace Community Church, to make sure everything that we do comes from and is guided by the word of God. So please, if you don't have a Bible, I I know there are some apps with Bibles on your phone, and you're supposed to not have them on, by the way. But I'll give you grace, as long as you don't have someone much better voice than me reading it for you, please go to... Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to begin again at verse 12, if you will. In fact, what's interesting is there is a recurring phrase. It first appears in verse 15, and then it again it appears for us down in verse 25, and, and it almost comes back in, in verse 16. And the phrase is, see to it. See to it. Interesting three little words, see to it. And in fact, those, those kinds of words are given, if you will, to, to parents, to their children. 
For instance, see to it that you uh, uh, pick up your, your clothes that you have strewn all over your room. And all the children here would say amen. That's good for husbands too, by the way. See to it that you water the plants or see to it that you have, you know, you feed the dog. See to it that you lock the door when we leave and, 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 and so on. And, and we say those things as parents not to hamper our children, but in order to provide for them instruction to protect them, to instruct them. So each one of these points I wish to give to you, I'm going to start with that phrase, see to it. Because that is a directive from a teacher that's been inspired by the Holy Spirit with the directive of God in order that we would garner, if you will, or to pay attention to the things that we need to have, characteristics we need to have to grow in Christ. It's a list. It's a see to it list. And you have it in your bulletin there. If you would like to follow a few, uh, if you will, notes, you know, to jot them down for yourself. <clears throat> I didn't take the time to fill it all in, but I trust that as the Spirit of God leads in you, that that is what you will do. So, let's begin. The first essential characteristic to maturity for a believer is listed for us in verse 12 and 13. It's this. See to it that you keep strong and keep straight. See to it that you keep strong and keep straight. And when you turn to that verse that is quoted for us from Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 3, you will find virtually the exact same words that the writer of Hebrews has reaccounted again to these Hebrew believers. Keep strong. Keep straight. And as he describes, if you will, when you go to Isaiah chapter 35, do that as your leisure, you will find out that Isaiah the prophet is writing about, if you will, holiness. The coming of God again. The promise of him reestablishing his kingdom. And Isaiah is trying to get the people of Israel prepared for that. In other words, keep strong. Walk straight. Is his words to them. It's a picture that he uses here. That describes for us, if you will, the way of holiness. But you'll notice in verse 12 some interesting terminology, some interesting pictures, if you will. For he calls us that we are to lift up listless hands or feeble arms or weak knees. What's interesting is that this is a depiction of what despair is all about. I find myself in these days struggling with despair. In fact, if I may ask of you without getting too dramatic and without getting too personal, if you would remember to pray for our family, my wife's and mine. We're facing an issue right now that is pretty despairing. And we need your help. Pray for us. 
And so I find myself having to trace in my history, uh, 68 years long on this earth, soon to be 69, but yet going back to the time of when in the 12 by 60 trailer, in, in the living room of that trailer, I was confronted by a pastor who cared enough to ask me the question, do you really know Jesus Christ? And I remember praying there and how this burden was lifted. Am I alone on this? This burden of sin that was lifted and the joy that, that was upon me. And yet over the years, I have to go back and try to remember that because quite frankly, there are days of despair. It's sort of like if you can use this picture, I'll use this analogy if I may, without trying to digress from the text. But it's almost like a football team that can play wonderfully for three quarters. And then they get to that final quarter and the closing minutes of that corner, of that quarter, the, the other team kicks a field goal to win the game. And they hang their heads in despair. The writer of Hebrews is trying to uh, tell the people here to keep your chin up. We haven't lost the game, by the way. And no matter how well the early quarters of life go, there's always the fourth quarter. There's always the two-minute warning. There's always that last second set up for a field goal that may beat you. But have heart. Keep your chin up. I've made mention of it before. I've read the last chapter. We win. Not in and of ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. And so what we have here is a picture of the writer that is trying to encourage these first century believers. You might remember that they've struggled from our study through this book. They've struggled with despair. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews time before has warned them don't be stiff necked don't give up don't walk away because it's well worth it and in fact isn't that the theme of our study Jesus Christ is still worth following no matter what no matter what and so when we come to this particular verse here in chapter 12 and verse 12 and, and 13 we're reminded that the challenges are difficult, but keep your chin up. Despondency is, if you do a study on that, it's kind of interesting. Despondency is one of the greatest avenues of attack that comes from the evil one. Especially to discourage God's people. He can use it in our lives to a great effect. And in anyone, anyone who is part of the body of Christ has at some time in their life, some time in their walk of faith, who have experienced despair, despondency. Life hasn't worked out for us. But just mark this down underneath that heading in your, in your bulletin. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, specifically verses 26 to 27. Proverbs 4, verses 26 to 27. It quotes there as, the, as Solomon is talking to his son. 
And at the close of that chapter, he reminds his son to make this. Make level paths for your feet. Make level paths for your feet. We were at the, the, the grads fair on, uh, what was it, on a Tuesday night did we go? I can't remember. Tuesday night. And, and we're walking in uh, the parking lot, which is nothing more than a hay field. And you know things about hayfield. They're not the most groomed things in the world. They have holes. They have, they have niches in them. And I'm walking, and all of a sudden, my left foot went in one. And when my left foot went in one, my right hip said, what are you doing? <laughs> it hurt. It hurt. So the writer of Proverbs is telling his son, make straight paths for your feet. Now, when you go and read that chapter, you're going to find out he's talking about the principles of the Word of God. To keep them, because they're valuable. They will keep you in the path that God wants you to go. Forsake these things, but keep this, as Solomon gives wisdom to his son. I see almost the same thing here for us this morning. Yes, Lift up, if you will, your feeble knees. Strengthen your arms. Walk straight paths. Why? So that we don't succumb to discouragement. That even if we are in the season of discouragement, as Janice sang for us, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a tractor trailer coming at you. It's the glory of Christ. He will make all things right. He'll make all things well. And, and you can just imagine, as the writer of Hebrews is, is, is penning this, that he may be wanting to interject even things of his own life. Uh, uh, let me tell you something, he's, but he doesn't. Because remember, from chapter 1, our first sermon was, there is no author listed because he wanted to make sure that the people were focused on Jesus and not on what he had to say, but on the person of Christ. And isn't that what chapter 1 and, and in verse 2 talks about? That in these days God speaks to us through his Son. That's who we have to look to, does, isn't it, dear ones? That's the one whom we can rise above our despair, whom our arms can be strengthened, who our knees can be strengthened. It is by his word that our path can be made straight. I promised myself, as I even wrote in the notes, and I didn't bother telling it to you, but I wrote in my notes, but I'm not going to dwell long on any of them. That's a lie i got time to do one more, so we got to do four next week, Lord willing. i got time to do one more. But here's the thing, dear people. As you go and read those first two verses, chapter 12, uh, verse 12 and verse 13, you'll find an interesting thing also that is in there because those who are beginning to limp, they don't like to hang out with a group of limpers. It does them no good. And in fact, the writer is saying, look at you're going through despair, you're going through discouragement. Look for someone who can lift you up. 
Look for someone who maybe has gone through what you're going through. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where he says everything that's happened to us is for the purpose that we can encourage you because you're going to go through the same thing. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord Jesus made sure we understood that the world's going to hate us, but fear not, for the Father's love overshadows that. I'll love you. I'll never forsake you. Isn't that amazing? And so when this writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage his people from being discouraged, he says, find somebody who understands. Get close to them. Don't hang out with limpers. Don't hang out with people who are going off the path. Get close. Isn't that wonderful? That's why we have a fellowship here at Grace Community Church. That we can come together to worship in song, worship in giving, worship, if you will, in listening to your word, O oh Lord. And that encourages us. And then we can look at the ones who are next to it and realize the fact that they're going through the same thing. They understand. And so we're here to encourage one another in that aspect. So see to it. See to it that you keep strong. And keep straight. The second one, if I may, is this. The second point is this. See to it that you pursue harmony and holiness. See to it that you pursue harmony and holiness. Well, isn't that what verse 14 says? Where it says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. Now the phrase here, make every effort, is a very graphic phrase. The writer's not saying, why don't you give it a try? Why don't you, why, uh, why don't you just take a chance? No. That's not his point here. What he is saying is, I want you to pursue. I want you, the desire for you to pursue. It's the same kind of passion that a runner has as he's sprinting to get to the finish line. The muscles are straining. The sinews, I don't even know what they are. I just found that word. The sinews are being stretched. With the determination that he's going, that person is going to get to the finish Ever notice that those of you that have been at track meets or you've watched the Olympics or whatever, that when the runners, no matter if they've run, no matter how many yards or, or meters, whatever they ran, when they get to the finish line, they always seem to put their, their chest out because they want to make sure a part of their body reaches the goal. And that's what the writer here is saying. That's why the writer here is saying, in, in, in other words, he's saying, I want you to be kind to people who don't shrink back. I want you to be a kind to people who don't shrink back and are destroyed, but who continue the journey. Individuals, if you will, that need to see it in your life. Because quite frankly, dear people, the world out there, the unregenerate world, if we don't live this way, 
they'll never see the Lord. Did you catch that in that verse? If, if we don't pursue these things, then no one's going to know who we really are. And isn't that a tragedy? How, where did we ever get the thought that becoming a Christian means we can do whatever we want to do with no consequences? Where did that even come from? And, and where did we get the thought? I remember hearing a, an evangelist back in the 1960s. Some of you were never around at that time. But in the 1960s, talk about coming to trust Jesus and then all your troubles will be gone. I'd like to punch that guy. He missed it. I realize the fact that when you become a Christian, not only do you get the grace of Christ, not only do you get the promise of eternal life, but you get a bag full of trouble. Because now you become an arch enemy of the one who hates us. But I'm glad we're protected by the one who loves us. Can I get an amen this morning? And that's what the author is saying here. Yes, with all that is in you, uh, that's a work, isn't it? How many of you have next-door neighbors that you just love in Jesus? Wonderful. You're all by yourself, ma'am. Praise God. <laughs> or co-workers that work next to you in a factory or wherever you are. They're the best people in the world you love to talk to. Or maybe on Monday morning or whenever your shift begins... You realize, oh, Lord, give me the strength to meet Jimmy or Johnny or whatever. I worked in Remington Arms for over nine years. And there were some of the toughest employees you ever saw. I remember working in the shooting gallery. Not all of you don't get all excited. You talk about your hunting and your guns and all of that. I used to have to shoot at least a thousand rounds a night to make my time. So you talk about your shooting and I go, big deal. <laughs> I've shot them all. It's no big deal to me. But in the shooting gallery outside there are these people <laughs> who pack the guns and these people are females created in the image of God but back then coming out of high school and working in that environment I never saw a, a female with tattoos I never heard a female use language that even a sailor would be embarrassed to hear. I never knew that beauty is skin deep, but ugly goes all the way to the bone. <laughs> and there were days, dear people, that I had to ask for the grace of Christ to just take it. To just be at peace. Dog, where's the guns? They're in here. When are you going to bring them out? 
because you had to inspect the guns too. Once they're in the shooting gallery and all the rounds were spent, you still had to inspect them just to make sure there wasn't a spent round or something in there. And they're knocking on the door that separates the shooting gallery from the Packers, and they want those guns. And they're not asking nicely. But you live at peace with all men. But you'll understand this, what the passage says. Living at peace with all men as much as you can does not mean you don't live holy. Does not mean you don't live holy. You don't have to act like the world. You have to live in it. I understand that. That's what doesn't that what John tells us in 1 John chapter 2. Be in the world, but not of the world. For the things of the world are not what gives God the glory. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those aren't from God. Those are from the world system. Yet the writer of Hebrews is telling these people in Rome, if you will, to hang in there. Try to be at peace. But at the same time, don't forfeit holiness. Grow in the things of Christ. And in fact, isn't it true that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, as Paul writes, it is God's will for you that you should be sanctified and that you should avoid sexual immorality. He also writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 that you were not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor and give glory to God with your body. Don't stoop to the lowliness of the world's system. Rise above it. Why? Because if we don't, they're not going to see the Lord. They're not going to be made aware of that there is hope. Miss Dawn, Miss Dawn this morning, going down, well, not this morning, but she's not going to Guatemala this morning. It's in, in October. But when she goes down there, she's going to be in a foreign country, in a foreign, if you will, philosophy of life and yet I know the group that she's going with because I've seen the the snippet of it on on the YouTube that the head of that has a passion and a compassion for these women who have no hope and Dawn and the other ladies that are going to go on that group are going to be able to give to them hope in Jesus Christ and isn't that what we're supposed to do here in Herndon, in Dalmatia, wherever you live? The writer of Hebrews is not saying forsake anything. What he's doing is grab on. Grab on to make peace as much as you can with those around you. But don't forsake holiness. Well, our time is gone. With Lord's help, his power, we'll try to finish this next week. But you see, the two essential, the first two characteristics is see to it. See to it that you keep strong and keep straight. See to it that you pursue harmony and holiness. Then, dear people, we will live changed lives. 
all for the glory of Christ, and others will see the wonder and the glory that's in Jesus Christ. Let us stand as we give the benediction.